With me, you know, it's time for our Parkside Report from EW Parkside. And Jan Nowak is here, and we have a special guest, too, Professor Oliver Hayward. And we're going to talk about the situation going on in Russia. Professor Hayward, good afternoon. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks very much. And Jan, welcome back to uh, our studios again. Professor Hayward, let's talk about what's going on in Russia. Right now, I understand Boris Yeltsin's a pretty happy camper because he got like 65% of the people in support of him. Yes, I think he has reason at least to take some temporary satisfaction in what's happened, but I, if I were him, I wouldn't be planning to uh, endure the effects of this too long. Mm, don't plan a vacation yet, because you've still got more work ahead of you. Exactly. Yeah. What is the situation in Russia? First of all, now, they have, there is no longer a Soviet Union, right? Right. And they're trying to be a democratic society, are they not? Yes. Mm-hmm. And the people are still starving over there, aren't they? They're suffering. Well, they're not suffering as much as we might be led to believe, actually. I've just come back from two weeks over there last month, and I was surprised at the availability of food and the fact that people looked actually pretty happy and really? were mostly well-dressed. Now, we were only in the cities. We didn't see the countryside that much. But mm -hmm. in the cities, I didn't see a situation that seemed terribly dangerous. Now, what about the prices? The prices are very high, and that clearly is a serious problem, and it will continue to be. They've had just terrible inflation over the last several years. But so far, they seem to have managed to take that in stride as well. Have they really? Yes, it That's is quite amazing. remarkable. One of the reasons they're able to is that during the Soviet period, they had very little to spend their money on, so they mm -hmm. had reasonably good savings in many cases. But mm -hmm. those savings have been pretty well used up as a result of the recent much mm -hmm. greater rises in prices. Also, uh, during the uh, Soviet Union, the black market was pretty heavy over there, wasn't it? A yes. lot of things were gotten through the black market. Yes, that's correct. Is it still in effect? Or? We saw less of it this time than in recent trips over there, and particularly they've gotten away from the currency transactions, which were always very dangerous, actually, for us to participate in because mm -hmm. the government took a very jaundiced view of them. There is still some black market operations going on, but basically the prices are so high in general that you don't need black marketeers. You can just mm -hmm. go to the regular marketplace, pay a hefty <laughs> price, but uh, right. get what you want. Mm -hmm. What about wages? How are the wages there now? Still low? Wages are not keeping up with inflation. They periodically are raised in an effort to make some sort of adjustment in light of inflation, but they invariably remain well behind the rate of inflation for mm -hmm. most uh, segments of society. Mm -hmm. What about crime over there? Has that uh, increased? Yes, crime is a very serious problem. There seems to be a prevalence of organized crime in, in a sense that's fairly similar to what we have over here. And it's a matter that uh, many Soviet citizens or Russian citizens now are particularly concerned about because it's a relatively new problem for them. Mm -hmm. When I w first went there in 1980, for example, I could let my students roam the streets of Moscow or Leningrad at night with no fear for their physical safety. But that, unfortunately, is no longer the case in, in Russian cities in mm. general. What about the police? Now, they used to be military. Now they're not military anymore, are they? No, the police basically have their work cut out for them. Uh, there was always a civilian police force as well. It's just we tended to see the military aspects mm -hmm. of it more. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're really up against it now. Whereas before, they really kind of had a commanding presence because you could tell they were in control. Mm -hmm. Now you have the sense that they're really in kind of uh, a rough situation. Have they changed their court system also? Their court system has been adjusted to some extent. What it really has done is to turn it into a real court system. Mm -hmm. It was always in place, and it had basically some pretty democratic-sounding principles, but now the courts seem to be operating much more mm -hmm. in a legitimate fashion. Yeah, it used to be that you were guilty or you were guilty, but yeah. uh, now they actually can actually plea now, can't you? Yeah, right. And in the old days, it was mostly that in political cases, you would mm -hmm. be likely to be tried ahead of the 
actual occasion. In other kinds of cases in the past, they've had a fairly routine kind of uh, court system anyway. Mm -hmm. The past few years, though, we've talked about uh, the fact that alcoholism is a big problem over there. Yes, alcoholism has, however, been a big problem over there for actually centuries, even really? before the Soviet period. Uh, people were actually selling uh, jet fuel. and. Uh, oh, yes. And a great uh, one of the things Gorbachev attempted was to cut down on alcoholism, but unfortunately the net effect of his policies was to increase the m amount of moonshine. Mm. And, of course, moonshine is almost always very dangerous for its right. consumers. So Does that come off the black market? Is that under uh, yeah. organized crime? Oh, yeah. Yeah, some of it's organized. Some of it's actually fairly small potatoes, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. But it actually ends up being equally dangerous, pretty much either way, to your health. Mm -hmm. And what the main drink there is vodka, of course. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's made out of potatoes. Yeah, as you said. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> uh -huh. Did you see drunks walking on the streets? Not many, um, but some. And I think probably they've tended now to get rounded up a little more regularly than in the past, so that we didn't see them partly simply because they'd been mm -hmm. taken away. Yeah, they have a lot of police patrolling just looking for drunks now, mm -hmm. don't they? Yeah, and always have, uh -huh. actually. And what, they put them in a tank and uh, let them dry yeah. out? And... Yeah, they spend the night typically there, and then they're let go in the morning, usually with a warning, and it's only mm -hmm. if they're repeaters over many occasions that they get into much deeper trouble than that. What about teenage drinking? Is that becoming big? I really can't speak to that because I don't have a way of directly assessing it, but I suspect it could be a very serious problem mm -hmm. because the uh, teenagers would follow their adults' leads in many cases. How's the military changed now? I mean, it, I, desertion was really quite high, was it not? Yeah. It continues to be a serious problem, but the bigger problem in my mind is the morale, particularly in the officer corps. As officers get gradually uh, decommissioned because they aren't needed anymore as mm -hmm. the Army gets smaller, uh, they have nowhere to go. There are often no houses for them. Uh, frequently they have no alternative employment. Uh, and that's the kind of problem that could lead to a really serious situation down the road if the military gets sufficiently alarmed about what's going to happen to them as the mm -hmm. demobilization process continues. Mm -hmm. I notice in the pictures I see on television now that they seem better dressed in Russia now. Yes, I think especially in the cities again, uh, they really don't look that different than people in a western city. Right. And, and a number of the people with me in this last trip commented on that because they were very surprised to see how well dressed mm -hmm. they looked, mm -hmm. particularly females, I think. The males have sort of a fairly standard old gray striped uh, suit uh, attire, but the females are often dressed just like they'd be in a leading mm -hmm. city in the West. Also, their fashion industry has increased, has it? Yes, not? it has. Uh, as you drive through the streets of Moscow or St. Petersburg, there are several famous fashion places similar to what you'd again get in Paris or New York mm -hmm. or what have you, and mm -hmm. they evidently are very well... Uh, attended nowadays, lots of customers. And they have new designers over there and also a lot more fashion shows than they had. Yes, they have some very famous designers now. They're like celebrities in Russian, which mm -hmm. would not have been the case in the past. And they bring in a lot of fashions from the West. We're talking with Professor Oliver Hayward about uh, from the University of uh, UW Parkside, and we're talking about Russia and the Russian situation. We'll be back with our guests right after these messages. We're talking to Professor Oliver Hayward of the University of Park, uh, UW Parkside, and Jan Dowak is here also, of course. And Jan, hopefully we'll have some time to talk to you about what's going on at Parkside. But Professor Hayward, now this is what, 10 trips you've taken to yes, uh, Russia? Yeah, I've, uh, I started in 1980, and most of the trips have been as leader of a tour group uh, mm -hmm. consisting of students and community people. And it's just been really wonderful to be able to trace what's been happening over there since 1980, which is in the heart of the Brezhnev years, mm -hmm. on through the Gorbachev period and on to the present uh, instability, but very fascinating set of conditions. Are the people in Russia now getting the idea that, hey, you know, we were prisoners for years and years and years and years. I mean, this government was really just, you know, 
screwing us. That's what they were doing. It's fascinating to talk to them because often they don't have any personal sense of this. But as the revelations come out, particularly as Glasnost revealed all kinds of bad things about the Stalinist years, mm-hmm. they began to realize what evil things have been done, even mm-hmm. though many of them didn't have it impact directly on them. Do you think that Gorbachev is going to come out a hero? It's a very interesting question. My own somewhat subjective view is yes, that he will. And I've always gone over there asking what people thought of him, both when he was in power and now. And I sense a bit of a resurgence of uh, friendly feeling toward Gorbachev in light of the recent instability Mm -hmm. once he was gone. Because they keep saying he's a broken man. He just uh, feels that he lost everything. I guess in some ways that's true. And I think Yeltsin compounded that by a kind of personal vendetta against him as the two were having their Mm -hmm. showdown. But I had the feeling in his recent trip to the U.S. that he was at least enjoying his stay here very much. Mm -hmm. Do you believe what they say now, the the people that uh, were uh, the conspirators against uh, Gorbachev, the ones who were going to try and overthrow him, had Mm -hmm. that coup? They were all drunk when they came up with the idea and... uh... Um, it had to be some shortage of uh, brain power, I think. Whether it was chemically induced or not, I'm not sure. But it was just not very well thought out. Mm-hmm. And they had not made anything like the adequate preparations that were needed. Is there a chance for a coup yet from the military? Or well, the military is the one to worry about. But up till now, in Russia and the Soviet period, the military has tended to mind its own business and not involved itself in politics, as, for example, the military in France has sometimes done. Mm-hmm. And that tradition, I think, helps out a lot here because it makes it less of a danger than it would be otherwise. But if the military finds themselves in a position where their own personal situation is very desperate, along the lines we talked about before, or if they feel the country is really falling apart so that security and stability is no longer possible without them, Mm -hmm. that's the sort of circumstances in which I think a military intervention might be possible. So what's Yeltsin's next move now? Uh, Yeltsin, I think, has to capitalize on what I see as a lot of time gained. I think this has bought him a good deal of time and really thrown the parliamentary uh, faction back on the heels to some extent, though they'll obviously talk differently than that. Mm -hmm. And during that period, he has to somehow make some of these economic changes begin to work for the people, uh, thereby increasing some support just among the rank and file. I think he does have to convince a lot of people that he's a viable leader because he does have this reputation of being something of a loose cannon, and he hasn't Mm. really totally Mm -hmm. outgrown that. Uh, So I think those are the two major points at this time, to get the economy functioning more effectively, cut down on inflation, which may be beginning to happen, and uh, make his own personal credibility as strong as possible. Mm-hmm. Do you think if he would have stuck with Gorbachev as a as second man in command or something, things would have been different? I do, but I think there was such personal acrimony between them that that wasn't a viable alternative, mm-hmm. quite frankly. But Gorbachev, I think, lent a certain sort of stability that Yeltsin doesn't really convey to the people. Mm-hmm. Does Yeltsin use Gorbachev as an advisor, or do they hate each other? To my knowledge, there's no consultation going on now. There may be some secretly, but in view of Yeltsin's mm-hmm. feelings toward Gorbachev expressed publicly, he probably doesn't want anyone to know about it if, in fact, mm-hmm. it's taking place. Is Gorbachev a wealthy man? Uh, no. In uh, theory, he's actually quite a poor person. And, in fact, uh, somebody said while we were there this last time in Russia that Yeltsin himself gets the equivalent of $65 a month as pay for his position as head of the country. So wow. <laughs> uh, what's going on right now, of course, is the, uh, the um, inflation and so forth makes monetary some sort of uh, meaningless in some respects. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure if Gorbachev chose to came, come to America, he could probably become a wealthy man as a consultant and could mm-hmm. hitch on with some university and 
Just write a book for Pete's sake. Uh, yes, Perfect. and writing a book. Although he's already done that, and it was mm -hmm. a moderately successful book, but uh, all of those earnings were pretty well wiped away by the inflation, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I think he's actually fairly modestly off uh, financially. Mm -hmm. Now, is, uh, is there government sort of like ours? Does the president have a staff and so on and so forth? Yes, yes. Uh, and that staff has been basically changing a lot lately as Yeltsin sort of throws them to the wolves in, mm -hmm. in light of the various kinds of attacks that have occurred on him. But he is surrounded by some people that evidently do know what they're doing. Okay. Is he in control of his cabinet? I mean, is he... I think so, yeah. I think that for the time being, with these results, he probably is in a position to act a little bit more like a real ruler, a mm -hmm. real leader, and uh, that that will work well to his advantage as well. Okay, so what's his next step then? Get the economy. It's sort of like the last election here. Mm -hmm. It's the economy, stupid, and uh, mm -hmm. I think it probably is even more of an imperative over there than it was here. Now, was he uh, asking Clinton for advice? Yes, they, I think, had a rather good meeting uh, when Yeltsin came over, mm -hmm. and I think that they can build on that. It's interesting, though, the polls taken just before the election suggested that the American connection had very little influence on how people voted. Mm. But what the way it could influence things is down the road... If our assistance is well thought out and, and carefully applied, it could improve the economy, which will ultimately be the decisive factor. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of going to be an indirect influence more than maybe a direct one. Professor, I wish we had more time. I'd like to talk to you for another hour at least about the situation over there. Thank you so much for being our guest. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. And Jan, you can say hello again next Monday, okay? <laughs> okay. We have news coming up at 5 on WLIP. Hi, folks. This is Mark Newman again.